Joshua and said, sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves. He said, uh, for tomorrow I'm going to do wonders among you. And of course Joshua then repeats that to the people. You guys get yourselves ready because tomorrow, I'll take, God's going to do something in your tomorrow. So we talked about last week, um, if you've missed any of those messages, I encourage you to get them and listen to them online. But um, we talked about how that you take care of your today, God takes care of your tomorrow. And uh, that, that is really key. And uh, God has no problems with us planning, but really we should be seeking His face in our plans. Amen. And uh, we shouldn't just be making plans to make plans. It's one of the things with, you know, I believe in setting goals and having plans, but look, God's got greater plans than you could even come up with, so we need to get in it on His heart, what is He saying, and what is He speaking. So, um, any of you, I'm sure some of you have dealt with this before, that uh, in a vehicle that the front end was out of alignment. And, uh, you know, when that front end of your car is out of alignment or truck, um, it does weird things to the, the vehicle. Uh, it, it begins to cause the tires to begin to wear weird. And uh, so what ends up happening is, is that something that is supposed to last a lot longer doesn't really last as long because it's out of alignment. And uh, alignment really is one of those things that's uh, a lot of people don't think about with their vehicles, but it is extremely, it does affect gas mileage, it affects everything, you know, the, how that front end is operating, it affects how the shocks are working, everything. When it gets out of alignment, it, you have to take it someplace, and it's not like they just turn a screw and it's back in alignment. It has to go through, in fact, not a, there aren't a lot of places that do alignments because you have to have some pretty, pretty intense equipment to do those kinds of alignments. And uh, so then they need time and they get it in alignment and they get everything straightened out. And, uh, and sometimes if it's been really bad and your tires are all screwed up, you got to get new tires because the alignment has now ruined. Uh, even though you might look on the outside and go, well, it doesn't look like they're worn to me. But if you look at the inside of those tires, it's worn completely out or it could be the outside because of the alignment. In our lives, we deal with the same thing. Alignment is challenging to attain. It doesn't just come like that. Alignment is challenging to attain, and it's difficult for you and I to maintain in our lives. It takes, a, it takes effort to be able to get our lives in alignment. I think you find that out in your life. You, set, you, you have a life that you want to live, but you're constantly having to align yourself to bring yourself into alignment to make sure you're still going that direction. And uh, it was a, they did a study on an airplane that flew from uh, jets that fly from California, L.A. airport, to Hawaii. And uh, in that whole time that they're flying between L.A. and Hawaii, 97% of the time, the plane is off course. It's not on the right course. It's it's moved. And the reason is, it's the same reason you and I get out of alignment, same reason our tires get out of alignment. It's because of conditions, because of things that are going on that are happening to, to us, that are happening. The wind affects, there's a lot of wind that's coming off that water and pressure and things that they're dealing with that moves that plane. But it's not so much that you're going to, and I, I really think this is key, it's not so much that you're going to get out of alignment in life. But are you going to get back in alignment? Are you going to get back on course? 
I know, you know, we all stumble. The Bible tells us this. It says, look, we all fall. The righteous fall seven times, but they shall rise. Hallelujah. That's what it tells us. So we know that there are times in our lives that we're, we're not moving on course, things that make us stumble. You know, I love the, the passage in the book of Acts where Paul, you know, they're telling him, man, every place, you, you're going to go to this next town and this is it, man, and you're going to be bound up and all these problems. And Paul just says, and none of these things move me. Well, you would love to be able to say that, right? I mean, and you might say it, but not mean it, right? I mean, I'm not letting the election move me. I'm not letting the politics move me. I'm not letting the weather move. I'm not letting anything move me. None of these things move me. And Paul goes on, then he says, and, and I don't count my life dear to myself. The alignment in our lives is challenging to attain, and it's difficult to maintain in our lives. And I've had so many times in my life where I'm just out of alignment. I mean, I can tell. I know I'm out of alignment. And, uh, you know, if you've ever been to a chiropractor, you know, they look at your back and go, you're out of alignment. And you're having this problem because you're out of alignment. And let me get you. And then they, man, I hate it. I mean, they're like, twist this way and turn this way. And you're like, well, that's not. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, buddy, whoa. Right? Got your attention. It's God's divine plan for you and I to be in alignment or to be sanctified completely. It is God's plan. I want you to think about that with me. It's God's divine plan that you and I are sanctified completely, brought in, because I believe that sanctification is that alignment. You know, it says in the, in the scripture in John 17, 17, Jesus said, Father, in his prayer, sanctify my followers. Sanctify my followers through your truth. It's truth that brings us into the alignment that we need in our lives. And that's what God is saying, I believe, to us today in this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. If you'll look at it with me. Now may the God of peace, this is out of the New King James Version, himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ and look at this last part in verse 24 he who calls you is faithful and he will also do it he who calls you is faithful and he'll also do it now that's if we let him right i mean obviously there has to be a permission on our part that we're willing to let god lead us by his spirit and guide us into that full sanctification process in our lives. You know, when God spoke to Joshua and said, sanctify yourself, he was telling them, look, I want you to get yourself in a consecrated place so I can consecrate your tomorrow, so I can deal with what I wanted, so I can make my plan fulfilled in your life tomorrow to do the miraculous. There's always the cheat that we think that, well, look, I'll just, God will just do it, and I don't have to do anything. But there is the, re the, the truth is, is that we have a part to play in this. And listen, here, now this is so important. It's not that we figure out what sanctification is, but we listen to God and allow him to lead us into sanctification. That passage in the Wies translation says it like this. We've got it up there on the screen. Now may the God of peace himself consecrate you every part of each one of you to his worship and service 
May your spirit and soul and body be preserved in their entirety, blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we always, we, we hear a lot, especially in our day right now, we hear about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is, is that are we ready for that day? Are we, and, and it's not that God's going to go, well, you're not ready, so I'm not taking you. It's that are we seeking to be more Christ-like in our lives, to live the sanctified life that Christ has called us to, so that he can take care of our tomorrow, so that we know that when he comes, you know, the Bible tells us that we'll know him when we see him because we'll be just like him. We'll be just like him. Faithful is he who gives you the divine summons into salvation, and he will also do it. So sanctification is not, and, and this is, I think, where the church gets a little bit confused about this, Sanctification is not about you just disciplining yourself in your spirit, soul, and body, but it's about God working in your spirit, soul, and body, you giving God permission to work in your spirit, soul, and body, and saying, Lord, you have a plan for my life. I want to be sanctified completely in my spirit. I want to be sanctified in my soul, and I want to be sanctified in my body. And here's the great promise of God. He's faithful and he'll do it. He's faithful and he'll do it. Now, I talked to you a little bit last week about how that sometimes we, the attitude that we get is, well, if God does that in my life, he's going to make me give up a bunch of stuff. Well, the truth is, is that you're going to get to do a whole lot more than you're going to have to give up. God wants you to be able to do all things in Christ Jesus. And so he's going to work in your life because of his divine plan and what he wants to accomplish in your life that you'll be able to do and to live the life that he has called you to. The best life, the greatest life, is the Christ-like life. God created us with a spirit and a soul and a body for his eternal purpose, and we have to remember that. God created us with a spirit, a soul, and a body. Genesis 2, 7 tells us, And the Lord God... Form man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Three things that are talked about here. Dust of the ground, which is our body, the breath of life, which is our spirit, and the living being, or the living, some of you will even have in that Genesis 2-7, the living soul. True sanctification is an entire conformity to the will of God. True sanctification is an entire conformity to the will of God. Now man in the garden, we, we would all agree with this, man in the garden of Eden, Adam, prior to sin entering in, was in total conformity to the will of God in his life. He was experiencing all the realities, all the beauties of what life was. He, he was enjoying with Eve the life that God had given to them and they were being all the blessings that went along with that but then the enemy enters in and what happens he corrupts and what he does is is that he begins to corrupt internally what's internally going on so that he because the enemy knows if you can corrupt what's going on internally eventually it will manifest externally it'll manifest externally you and I that are born again are sanctified. 
We're sanctified by the Spirit of God. We are now, just like, here's, here's what's so cool about this. When we're born again, when we receive Christ in our life, it's just like all the, all the things that God says are ours. Just like when you're born in the United States, there are rights and privileges that we have in the United States. We're not citizens of France, thank God. We're not citizens of England, thank God. I mean, I'm not a citizen of Canada, thank God. I'm a citizen of the United States. And I may not like everything that's always going on, but there are certain inalienable rights that we have that are here in the United States that other places they don't have, that they don't have. When corruption entered in, not only did sin begin to work in the spirit of man, but it began to work in the soul of man, and it began to work in the body of man, of mankind. The Bible says in the, uh, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 that when we fell, it says that we were dead in our sins. We're dead in our offenses towards God. Through the fall, our, our God-contacting spirit was deadened. It lost its function to contact God. Your spirit was not in contact with God anymore. Because what happens, in, and when we say dead, I know people think, well, there was nothing there. There is something there. But there's a set, there was a, there, it was separated. That's what death is. Death is a separation. You know, when someone dies, their physical body dies, their spirit is still alive. It's just separated from their body. Now, if they're a believer in Christ, they go immediately to heaven. But if they're not a believer in Christ and have received his redemptive work in their lives, they go right to hell. No limbo. No, uh, you know, no, no place that they're, you know, have an opportunity to come back and do something good. That's it. Death is the final thing. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die. This is in your Bible. And then the judgment. So at that point, the judgment is, did you accept Christ? Did you not accept Christ in your life? You know, and I'm glad that we don't get into heaven because we're perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. We get into heaven because Christ is perfect. Amen. A lot of Christians would be a lot happier about their Christian life if they just accept that and say, you know what? I'm not getting to heaven because I, I want to be perfect because he's perfect, not because my perfection is going to make it that I can get into heaven. I want to be perfect because God's got a greater plan for my life and I want to enter into that divine plan that God has for me. In our spirit, we were dead in our offenses. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, 21, excuse me. Colossians 1.21 tells us that, that you and I, that our soul became the enemy, that the enemy is in our, in our mind, that we became, it became an enemy to God. We had enmity against God. We were... We, we don't think the thoughts of God. Mankind left by himself is not thinking the thoughts of God. And the Bible tells us that the carnal man, the carnal nature of ourselves in Romans, it says that it, is, it always thinks contrary to what God. God says, forgive. The carnal nature says, uh-uh, have resentment. God says that have hope. The carnal nature says there is no hope. See, these are... These are these are things that, is in our, that are in our mind, that try to work in our mind and try to work in our lives. And then, of course, we talk about the body. 
God created our body, but it was ruined and became a body of sin and death, unable to fulfill God's purpose. You can look that up in Romans 6, 6 and Romans 7, 24. So in God's divine plan, it's not just that you and I be sanctified in our spirit, but the possibilities of us being sanctified in our soul as well and being sanctified in our bodies and being sanctified in our bodies. How do we do that? Well, one, we become born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit. John 3, 6 says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You have to be born again, as what Jesus told Nicodemus, that you have to experience that new life within you, that joining back together with God. See, that's the, that, that's the great power here of salvation. Salvation opens the door that your spirit now is in contact with God again, that your spirit is in contact. You say, well, well I don't feel any of that. I don't, I don't sense that I'm closer to God. Well, the Bible says that there is a spirit inside of you now that is crying out, Abba, Father, that you're in a relationship with God Almighty. Yeah, but Pastor, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm having trouble believing that. Well, see, that's, that, that's true, and you will have trouble believing it because your soul's not right. You know, I would have loved it, wouldn't you, if you gave your life to Christ, and man, your brain is delivered from your past, right? I mean, you don't even think about it anymore. It's gone. Like God just went in with a big eraser and just, <laughs> that's gone, that's gone, that's gone, that's gone, that's gone. And now all you know is the new life in Christ. That's all you know. You don't know any of that stuff. You don't know any of those people that hurt you. You don't know any of those, you know, the parents that let you down. You don't know any of that stuff. The teacher that ridiculed you have none, no memory. It's all gone. It's all gone. But you and I both know that that's not true and that you have all those memories and those thoughts. That's why God said in the book of Isaiah 55, he says, look, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Stop fooling yourself. You're not thinking what I'm thinking. He said, in your ways, what you're doing, because you don't think like I think, you're not doing what I would do. But he says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, he said, so are my thoughts from your thoughts and my words from your, my ways from your ways. But he said, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and it doesn't return thither but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud to give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, he said, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return empty void to me. And I love how it ends. He says, but it will accomplish that which I desire and it will prosper and the thing for which I sent it. We don't have time to get into this this morning, but, but look, God's word carries within it the DNA of God's intent. You know, DNA, DNA is a powerful thing if you think about it, because that was, means that it was already determined even when you were just a little tiny in-your-mama-womb type deal, what do they call that? The, the, yeah, the baby. You know, you're a baby, but they call it a fetus or whatever. When you're in that womb, it was already determined your hair color. Now, you can change that, obviously, right, later on in life, but, but it was already determined how tall you were going to be. It was already determined your eye color. 
Now, when you came out and you were, came into this world, your hair color could have been one thing. It could have been, look, not look, could have been dark, but you ended up blonde. It could have been your eyes. Most babies, when they come out, their eyes look blue. I mean, they're all, you know, they all look blue to me. But, uh, and they're, you're not your height, and you're not your, all those other things. But, but, but isn't it awesome that already it was determined within your DNA that this is what you would be? Well, the same thing is true of God's Word. It carries within it the DNA that's already determined God's outcome. That's what goes back to talking about that look. To live the fully sanctified life is to be in total alignment with God's will because you're in alignment with God's Word. So, we're born of the Spirit. For the mind, the, the, the soul... The Bible talks about how the mind, the will, and the emotions. You know, how that you and I, that the soul is made up of the mind, will, and emotions of our life. That our will is, is look, our will is influenced by our emotions. Our emotions are influenced by our mind. What's the, the key thing? You want to change your emotions? You know, you say, well, I feel this. This is, a, this is why it's so hard to change emotions. I feel this way. The only way you will ever change your feelings in your life about things is, is that if you can change your perspective. That's the only way. That you've got to see it from a different perspective. And that comes by the renewal of your mind. That's why the Bible says that you receive the engrafted word which is able to save your soul because what's happening is as you're receiving God's perspective, you begin to look at things differently which will change how you, how you feel. And what, when you change how you feel, you'll change what you do, what your, your will. You'll change how you, your actions are in your life. I mean, you, I've talked to people, I've counseled people, I've done coaching with people, and if you're talking to them and they say, well, I feel, well, I feel, then that means that they have a perception in their life that they've developed for whatever reason, for however they got to that place. So it's like the guy I talked to um, Elmer, and Elmer's in heaven now. He didn't go to this church. He was in my other church. I said, Elmer, are you voting in the next election? He goes, what good is it? He says, I voted before and it didn't come to pass. What I expected. I said, yeah, Elmer, but you have the right to vote and you should vote. Now, in our country, majority rules, obviously. That's just the way it is. That's the way our Constitution is set up. But he said, look, if, if he, he said, I'm not voting because it, I've, I've been disappointed before and I'm going to be disappointed again. See, already see the outcomes? So what has he done? In his own mind, he has a feeling. In his own life, in his soul, he has a feeling. The only way that would ever change is, is if he got the right information. Now, the cool thing is, is that a heart that is... Look, you're, you don't have everything figured out right now, okay? So let's just be clear about that. But if we're open to listen to what God is saying, the divine influencer, then he will give us the information that we need that can open our eyes. And gratefully, before Elmer died, I got him, you know, what God was able to work in his life and get him back in the voting booth. But it, it, you know, because he had to be challenged on what he was thinking, be what he was feeling, excuse me. There was definitely, and you know, when somebody feels something, you're not going to get him to do anything. I promise you, you... You maybe get, they'll be like Johnny, you know, mom said, sit down. He said, no. 
She said, sit down, and she grabbed him and sat him down, and Johnny said, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You got to change that. You, you got to change that inside. You can't just change that outside. That outside. We become transformed through the renewing of our minds, according to the scriptures. Romans 12, 2 tells us, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, this last one was one that I had to really think a lot about before I went, brought it to the pulpit because it, 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 really, it, it just really challenged my thinking. And that is, not only are we transformed through the renewing of our mind and being born of the Spirit, but we need to be transfigured in our body. Transfigured in our body. That the, why did he say that we would be sanctified, that he would sanctify a spirit, soul, and body? Because in our body, what he wants to do is not just transform us, but to transfigure us, to make us altogether different. Listen to this out of the, um, this is out of uh, the Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. Paul said, join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. Now, this is in the Philippians 3.21 in the Passion Translation says, who will transform our humble bodies and transfigure us into the identical likeness of his glorified body. And using his matchless power, he continually subdues everything to himself. Now that doesn't have to just happen when Christ arrives in our life, when Christ comes back to the earth. That happens by, it says that we would be sanctified in our bodies, that God would transfigure us, that he would take and work in our lives through the being born again, being transformed in our minds, our, our soul, excuse me, that he would actually begin to work in our bodies. You say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, Romans chapter 8, it says that, it tells us real clear there that the spirit that is in us, that he will make alive our mortal bodies. It doesn't talk about it, that's at the end. That's now. You don't need your mortal body made alive at the end. You need your mortal body made alive now. How many of you need your mortal body made alive now? You know what mortal means, dying, right? You know the aches and pains and you're growing older and all that stuff that's trying to happen and, and things that, you know, that show up on your body. You're like, where in the world that come from, Right? I remember I was in Columbia preaching the gospel, man. I mean, I was having a time. I had taken a couple of guys from the church, and I was in shaving. I had my electric shaver, and I was working in the shaver. And all of a sudden, I look, and man, I'm like, what is that? And there's this huge lump on my neck. And not a zit. It's a huge lump under the skin. And man, I'm telling you, here come the thoughts. Wham, 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 wham. I mean, I was getting bombarded by these thoughts. And it was like cancer. You're going to lose your voice. You'll never preach again. 
No one will ever hear. You'll just have to write books now because nobody will be able to hear what you have to say because you're going to lose your voice box and because you got cancer and you're going to go through this whole process. And then you'll have to have chemotherapy. You're going to lose your hair. And then you're going to have... That's how your adversary works. He's trying to sow those seeds of doubt into your brain that this is where you're heading. This is what... And so I'm like, I'm shaving it, I'm looking at it, and then I start pushing on it. And I start, you know, I'm like, whoa, what is that? What's going on there? And then I heard something. I heard something come out of the Spirit. I heard stand against it right now. Come against it in the name of Jesus. Start fighting the battle against it. And uh, I mean, I didn't like go, well, I'm never going, I'm not going to go see a doctor. I went and saw a doctor and, you know, he goes, it's probably fat. And it was fat just fat that didn't go to my belly, it went to my neck. <laughs> but you see how that something that's not even bad can all of a sudden turn into, you're beginning, what are you doing right now? You're using all that feeling. And I mean, look, you're not just having those thoughts, you got feelings that go with them. My poor wife and what Sharon's going to, oh my goodness, you know, this is going to be so bad and I can't do this and what am I going to tell the church? And I preach healing. Look, your mortal body will fight with you. Your mortal body, your body's trying to die because it doesn't, listen, now boy, this will really help you. Your body doesn't know it's redeemed. I want you to think about this. Your body does not know that it is redeemed. It doesn't know that. Your body still thinks that it's under the same thing that the earth is operating under, the curse. The curse has not gone off the earth. The curse has just come on off of those who have called upon the name of Christ. The curse is still in the earth. Now, this is real deep. This will really help you, though. Your body thinks it's still dying. Your body still thinks that it has to be subject to all the sicknesses and diseases of this world. Your body doesn't know any better. It's still tied to the dust of the earth. It thinks its end game is the coffin or the cremation or whatever to be dirt again. That's where it thinks it's heading. But see, when your spirit is born again and your mind is transformed in the renewal through the word of God, you can tell that body, look, you are not heading towards death. You're heading towards life. And the spirit that is in me will make alive. And that's what it says in Romans 8. Make alive my mortal body. Make it alive. That's what he's saying here. To give us that transfigured, glorious body. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. Sanctification is not a heavy yoke, but it's a joyful liberation. Man, it's liberating to me to know that God has a plan for my life to be sanctified spirit, soul, and body, not just partial. What, can, what actions in your life is God compelling you to take today? Is it your soul needs... You know, are you, are you just in a place in your life, look, you're not spending much time in the Word, you're not spending much time with God? Are you spending more time just taking in all the information of the world? Look, if that's the way you're heading, all you're heading towards is gloom and despair because that's all the world has to offer. Changing our world begins with you and I accepting God's divine plan. God's divine plan. How do we do that, Pastor? We receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior. 
Romans, Sharon shared it earlier, Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says this, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Say that out loud with me. I'm one spirit with him. God's not far away. You know, we keep, that's that old mentality that, oh, he's so far. He's here. He's in us. He's right here with us. That's what being born again means. Born again isn't just mean that, you know, your sins are just taken out of the way. Born again means your sins are taken out of the way so that the spirit can now dwell within you. And now you have complete now. Why do you think the Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Because now you have complete divine access to the heavenlies. God's in you. And you're in God, according to the book of John 15, 7. What do we do to change, follow God's divine plan? We set our mind on the Spirit through growing in the Word. Romans 8, verses 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Be careful, and, and, and I, I just throw this in, I'm going to spend a lot of time on it this morning, but be careful, be very careful in the months ahead that you're not setting your mind to be carnal on what's happening in the world, okay? What's happening in the world. I told at the beginning of this word from the Lord that difficult days are ahead, but we overcome and we win. And so we are to deal with us and let God take care of the other. And things can look really, really bad and could get where they look really bad. And our hearts are grieved because of some of the things that are going on in our world right now and even in the state of Michigan. But my mind is not set on what's happening here. My mind is set on that, God, I am spiritually minded and that is life and that is peace. Let me, let, me put it, let me put it like this. If you're setting your joy by what happens in the election, you got your mind on the wrong thing. You say, well, I want some guarantees of what's going to happen. Well, good luck with that. I know what my guarantee is. I'm going to vote, and I'm going to vote the right, what I, according to my conscience. That's a guarantee. I guarantee that's what's going to happen. And you know what? I'm in the United States, and there isn't anything going to stop that. Hallelujah. But I can't guarantee what everybody else is going to do. Now, at the end of the month, and I, I, I'll kind of give you a little inkling on this. I think it's October the 30th. But I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about prophecies that are going on and the different prophecies that are happening that are out there. And just I want to talk a little bit about, because, you know, we've still got a lot of people in despair over the last prophetic events that were spoken that did not come to pass. They did not come to pass. And we were told they were going to come to pass. So I'm going to help you with that, though, at the end of the month. So you want to stay tuned for that. But we have to set our minds on life and peace and that which is spiritual. And that which is spiritual. Ephesians 5.26 says that you and I as the church, we, Jesus is working to sanctify and to cleanse us with the washing of water by the word. God's got a plan. So set your mind on the Spirit through growing in the Word. Spend a lot of time in your Bible. 
spend a lot of time praying. Say, well, I don't read the Bible very well. We don't have to read a lot of the Bible. But look at verses that you're familiar with. Go back over those verses. If you don't know any verses, our prayer team that will be up here in a little while, they can give you some verses. But, but spend time looking at your Bible, more time than trying to figure out what's going on in the world right now. How do we make that change? Exterminate the practices of a fallen body. Listen to this out of Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right? So this is where he moves. And, and, and this needs to be orchestrated by the Holy Spirit just as much as God working in your spirit and your soul. You know, God will tell you things. I want you to give up. You know, he may tell the next guy not say anything to one guy, and he may say, I want you to give up video games. Now, I'm going to tell you, your first reaction is going to be your flesh. Right? Great story. I got time to tell it. So years ago, we are in Roma, Texas, and the kids, Greg's little kindergarten classroom, their air conditioner broke down. And Sharon came up to me and said, hey, Richard, I had a thought. I think the Lord's guided me to this. You know, we've got an air conditioner at home. Those little kids are suffering in that classroom. And uh, the teacher, Aunt, Mil uh, Aunt Millie, was the teacher. She was probably 80 years old at the time, teaching these kindergartners. Sharon says, why don't we give them our air conditioner? And I'm telling you, I know you think that like I would be like, Glory to God. It's like 110 degrees where we're at. I'm like, Sharon, that's, we need that air conditioner. And those are little kids. They don't know any different. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you, I've never seen so much disappointment on a woman's face in my whole life. Man, she looked at me and she was like, what is wrong with you? Well, then I got away. Then I then I got away from her, you know, <laughs> after being a jerk. And the Holy Spirit started talking to me, and He said, "You know, she's right. You can trust me to take care of you. Give that air conditioner; you'll be blessed and taken care of." So I said. So I went back to Sharon. I said, "You know, honey, I'm sorry. You got to learn how to say I'm sorry if you're going to be married." And uh, I said, "I'm sorry." And uh, I said, I, you're, let's, get, let's go talk to them about the air conditioner and giving it to them. Sharon goes, oh, they got it fixed. I said, oh, okay. Look, let me just remind you about something. Don't ever think that God won't ask you to do something that he doesn't really intend for you to do. He's just testing you. Ask Abraham. You have to believe that those actions have to go. And if you don't believe it, you're just going to struggle. You know, when we bought our home, we have this really beautiful house, man. And I mean, it's, we love it. We love our house, our farm, the whole deal. But when we bought our house, you know, one of the things that they, you know, when you, buy, when you look at a house, they show you all the stuff in the house 
but they don't show you everything that's wrong in the house, right? And what I didn't know was in the house was mice. I mean, when we were there, we didn't see any mice. We looked at the house twice, right? I think two or three times, and we never, and they didn't put it in the real estate thing on realtor.com. This house has mice and bats, so just so you know. No, that was off, that wasn't there. But when we got the house, we started noticing that there was some stuff going on that shouldn't be going on. We could hear things in the walls. You know, that's a weird sound, right? That you're sitting watching TV and you hear scratching going on in the wall. And we're like, oh my goodness, man, something. And we started reading, that's bats. Then I was at 5 a.m., I was up doing my Bible reading in the living room and I heard something walking across the ceiling. And it was mice that were in that ceiling and they were crawling through the walls and I had to do some work on some plumbing in the house. I opened up the plumbing thing and I see all these holes in the wall where the mice have dug all these tunnels through the house. They got tunnels everywhere from the, I mean, I'm surprised there wasn't an elevator built in there that, man, they had everything just first class for what they wanted. They could go anywhere they wanted to go in the house. Now, you know, you, you have, you have a thought. Well, you can have a thought with that. Well, you know, we live out in the country and there's nothing you can do about it and you just got to accept that you got mice and bats and just got to live with it. But you know, it's never going to go away as long as you live with it. So I set myself that I'm going to get rid of these suckers. Right? So I started doing some things and Sharon will tell you, man, I made it my goal. I... I'm like, they're getting in the house somewhere. I don't know where they're coming in from. I kill off a bunch of them, and they still are getting in. Finally, at last year, I finally, after four years of living in this house, I found underneath a basement window that there was a crack about that big underneath that window, and it was about that long, and they were just crawling. They're like, come on in, man. This is awesome in here. This house is a great place to live. We got tunnel system already built, so just come on in. There's food galore in here. Uh, these people like to eat, and so this would be a great place for, you, for us to live. I got Stephen to come over, and we went on a bat hunt, man. We caught, we sealed off holes where the bats were getting in. We, you know, you have to follow their poop line, and so we follow their poop line, find out where they're at. Okay, we got them guys, so they're gone. No bats this winter, glory. But last year, I find that strip, that little strip, and I'm like, man, how in the world did that, I never, how did I miss that? So I got me some stuff and sealed all that up and got it all cleaned up. Then I had to kill off what was in the house and got rid of it. My point is this. In your sanctified life, as God is working, if you accept with what you've got and say, well, this is how I'll always be, you will never change. But when you are determined that I want to be more Christ-like in my life, I want to live a more Christ-like life, then what you will do is you will set yourself in agreement with his word and you will begin the process of elimination. Martin Luther said this, the flesh ever seeks to be glorified before it's crucified. Charles Spurgeon said, our old man is crucified, but he's long in dying. Isn't it true? Don't coexist with what is destruction. Don't allow yourselves to coexist with what's destruction. Joshua Again, make yourselves acceptable to worship the Lord because he's going to do some amazing things for us.
God's got a plan for your life. God's got a great plan for your life this year coming up. From now until we talk again in the next direction in September, God's got a great plan. And look, it doesn't matter what the government's doing. It doesn't matter what's happening in the economy. I, I, this, all those things that we could spend all our time looking at and being frustrated over. It doesn't matter how goofy your family is acting while you're believing for them to come to Christ because God will have the final word. Not you. You don't have the final word. See, that's wrong. This isn't about you. It's about their eternal salvation. Amen. That's what you're focused on, that God is working in your family to perform his will, not your will. We do not finish our prayers, my will be done. Let my children stop aggravating me. My will be done. Right? There's a good chance they could come to Christ and still be a major aggravation to your life. <clears throat> Stand up with me if you would. Who am I? Dakota, are you coming up here? Say this out loud with me, spirit, soul, and body. God wants to work in all three of those areas of your life by his Holy Spirit, by his Holy Spirit. You know, when we ask for help, that's a, a thing. When we, when we ask for prayer, when we reach out and ask Christ to come into our lives, what are we doing? We're allowing God to sanctify us because what we're doing is we're stepping out of where we are into what God has for us. I believe there are things that God has for you, and it's time for you to step into them. There are things that you've been in bondage to that you don't need to be in bondage to anymore. And you know, when people say, well, bondage, oh, he must be talking about al alcohol, or like Sharon was saying, or, you know, smoking. No, how about gossip? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Yeah. How about unforgiveness, which is a killer? Unforgiveness is a killer of your faith. It's a killer of it. It, it just destroys it. Bitterness and wrath, anger, just so much anger about life and anger about what's not working out. All those kinds of things are destructive and they're all things that Christ wants to sanctify. Why? Because he's got a better tomorrow for us. I believe that with all my heart. There's a better tomorrow for you. But it begins today with what we do in this place. Amen? Dakota? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. That was awesome. Thanks. Um, can we have the prayer team come on up here? Get lined up. 